the Entrepreneurial Journey Podcast. We're talking business and building a culture that's kick-ass. Where we make it happen, grab your seat, let's have a blast. At the Entrepreneurial Journey Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Entrepreneurial Journey Podcast. Today I'm absolutely delighted to have Karen Gibb with me. Hello Karen, how are you? Hello, hello. Lovely to be on here. Thank you for having me, Rebecca. Absolute pleasure, Karen. So you are the Chief Calm Officer and founder of Mind Marvels. Tell me what Mind Marvels are all about. Great. So yes, we support children to find their own calm superpowers through sessions run by myself in nurseries, schools and in the community as well. So we like to call it sort of calming strategies and practical tools to support wellness. A much, much needed service. And how did all of that come about? That's not something when you're at school you think, I know, I'm going to train children how to be calm. It's not on the careers list. <laughs> is it not? <laughs> no, it should be, but it is Absolutely. Um, probably from my own anxieties, to be totally honest. I was always a really confident, and still am, you know, a very confident person. But underneath that, like many people, I struggle with my, my own anxiety, my own worries, my my own sort of rationale around certain situations so I became a teacher and quickly fell into that cycle of loving working with the young people but feeling that I wasn't personally prepared for the the big bad world (laughs) Um, so in my late 20s I discovered mindfulness and this really changed really the journey that I then took. I worked predominantly with children in care and in the social work department. So I was always already working with children that really desperately needed that support and, and those calming strategies. I then implored to let them be my guinea pigs and tried a couple of of sessions with them, which were hit and miss, if I'm completely honest. I then realised I didn't want to teach for the rest of my life and that I actually was really interested more in, in the wellbeing and, uh, rather than teaching maths and English and other subjects too. Mm-hmm. So that's where I ran taster sessions in other schools and really started to hone in on what Mind Marvels was all about. So that's where we are now. And we have just franchised the business UK-wide, which is extremely exciting now that I think about other people taking on what we are doing. So I'm really delighted to be part of that journey, helping more children along the way. I I love so uh, I'm going to come back to some of the strategies that you use with the kids because I think I think the grown-ups could definitely learn a thing or two. <laughs> um, uh, and I want to ask you about franchising because I'm I'm racking my brains. I don't think we've had somebody on who has franchised their business. No, Pillow Partners. He's a franchise, um, mm-hmm. but you're a relatively new franchise. Is that right? Absolutely, just this year we franchise, so very new. What what gave you the idea for franchising? 
Really over lockdown it was when, of course, everyone's business ideas came to a head. I, I was pretty certain I didn't want staff. I, I thought, how can I expand this without putting even more pressure on myself to be in a managerial position? Mm. Now, I'm I'm very aware that franchising will also, you know, I will be in, in, in that respect, a manager to some degree, but... I really wanted people to come on board that were fully invested in themselves. They had that personal development experience and that they were willing to to sort of put themselves out there as, you know, franchisees for Mind Marvels. So I think that's where it came from. But if I'm totally honest, Rebecca, I thought I thought franchising was a con or some pyramid scheme before I actually looked into it. And once you discover ethical franchising, you realise there's so many opportunities out there that are, are great for so many people. It's really interesting you say that because in particularly in the UK, for some reason, and I don't know why, franchising has a bad not a bad name but a tarnished reputation absolutely absolutely do you think we're just big cynics of (laughs) tried and tested business models (laughs) I don't know I really you know when I was kind of growing up in the business world in the 90s and the noughties people were quite snobby about franchising they you know it's like Mm -hmm. oh that's a proper business and and that, there was that attitude. And then recently, you're right. I had a woman, we don't franchise our model. We train people in our model. And then we have a very, we have a really nice associate kind of partner model. So it's not quite franchising and it's not quite licensing. It's 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 kind of got, it's very, anyway, it's a new hybrid that I have created. Um, but um, some, some woman said, this is a pyramid scheme. And I went, no, that one, they're illegal, and two, they're <laughs> horrific, and I detest them, and they prey on people's insecurities. This is a way of showing you how we've done something mm-hmm. that we know works and that we've tested in the real world, and we're now offering you the opportunity to do the same thing. I'm not quite sure where the catch is. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's – it's – I don't know if we like to just do everything and be really like as if it's a shortcut. Therefore, we have to always start the business from scratch and do everything by ourselves. You know, whether for some reason that's more hard working when actually being part of a franchise is still just as hard, you know, not quite as hard, but you've got that support there. And I wonder if we're a bit cynical about that help. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Uh, hang on, I've I've made a fatal error and not turned my uh, email off. Let me do that. Right, yeah, I, I agree. I think, um, I don't know what it is. The Americans love a franchise. Yeah, and Australians as well, huge franchising. Yeah, they totally get it. And, you know, the American system in particular is very sophisticated, very well regulated. I haven't looked into Australia. I'm assuming it's the same in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, good. Right. How's the franchise going? 
Well, so we've had a flurry of, of people coming, sort of having inquiries with us. And fingers crossed, we're just about to take on our first franchisee. So everything's going to plan. I'm really about, I know, I know, fingers crossed. I'm really about quality over quantity. I would rather have five amazing franchisees than a huge amount that I felt weren't right for my business. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And what do you look for in a franchisee? I really hone in on personal development because I can teach business skills. I can teach people how to put their accounts through. I can teach people how to you know, schedule their social media, but I can't necessarily teach a positive mindset or a growth mindset. This is something, and I know, Rebecca, this is something you also teach, but it is very difficult. People have to have that open mind and that ability and that resilience to to want to change. So as much as we look for former teachers or people interested in working with children, I, I do believe we need to have that open mindset as well to, to adapt and be able to thrive when things don't always go to plan, which is guaranteed. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah, they're absolutely guaranteed. 100%. Yeah. No, you, you're right. It's that it's that sense of curiosity. It's that attitude of, you know, I'm a big sponge. I'm here to soak it all up and see if there's something new I can learn. The minute somebody says to me, I've done my diploma in coaching, that's it. I'm like, well, you're not right for us then. Absolutely. You need that growth. You need that ability to continue to grow as well, don't you? So I'm always working on my personal development and it'll never be finished and, and you'll be the same. Yeah. Totally. What you're working on now in your personal development? <laughs> Are you allowed to say? Well, yeah. So I'm I'm working through a couple of different programs just now, um, but I'm really interested in the sort of the growth mindset and the. I'm really into this this year looking at feminine goals. So mm-hmm. having tangible goals like a masculine goal, but also bringing in the feminine energy of it as well so it sounds a bit woo woo but women are so different to men in terms of goal setting and how our cycles are that it's really 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 interesting for me that's I've not I've not thought about goal setting in that respect that's really interesting so tell me what the subtle differences are so a male so given an example here a male goal could be i want to for example earn a three thousand pounds a month and the female goal might be i'd like to earn as much as i could this month so you're not setting a goal a a monetary goal on it but what you want to do is take the masculine goal and have a feminine goal and kind of meet halfway so then your goal becomes something like, um, I would like to earn, you know, X amount over the year. So it's not because sometimes we have those ebbs and flows, don't we, in business where it's you're not having a, a 3K month every month, for example. But over time, you'll see that that correlation does happen. But it's Lovely. about giving ourselves that forgiveness and, and giving ourselves that drive without feeling like, oh, we failed this this month, you know. <laughs> I like I like that my favourite, and I've said this on the podcast before, my favourite symbol is the Chinese yin and yang. Absolutely, absolutely. Because we we all need that balance, don't we, of masculine and feminine energy. Absolutely. 
And it's so interesting when you look at male business leaders. So, you know, typically without going off on a tangent here, but their, you know, hormone and their energy levels are reset every 24 hours, whilst women are on that typical 28-day cycle. So when you look at the times each month where women can do tasks you know, some tasks better than other times, then you can start to plan your your days and your weeks according to your cycle. Honestly, there's there's it's so interesting. <laughs> Fascinating. I have never thought of that. Ever. And lots of women don't because we're in that typical male-dominated society of, of running businesses. And when you start to hone in and, and, and understand what's, you know, un- underneath there... Oh, it's fantastic. I've got so much I can share with you. <laughs> That's very exciting. Was there anything in, in this literature that talked about menopausal women? Because I'm now 52. So Absolutely. what happens then? So with menopausal women, you follow the moon cycle instead of you know your typical period cycle. So the moon, and of course, this all sounds very woo, and I appreciate that as somebody that's quite a realist. Mm-hmm. But actually, when you strip back all the basics, we we are tuned, you know, literally to the moon, to yeah. the waves, to the oceans. It's so fascinating, and it's something that I've only just discovered recently. So I'm very on the on the outside looking in but very interested right so today and I know we're digressing we will come back to your business but today I have got through so much stuff I've been on fire today in a really mm-hmm. relaxed way I'm going to go away and check the cycle of the moon and see Absolutely. what that says to me. <laughs> I think I think tonight's a full moon isn't it I'm sure tonight is a full moon is it yeah, I'm pretty sure it is a full moon, or is it a new moon? Either or, whichever one it is, it'll, let me just check, because I'm sure that means, yeah, it's a full moon tonight, which means that typically women are full of energy around this time of the of their cycle. I've been buzzing. There you go. See, there's not, there, there is actually a method to your madness, you just don't know it. <laughs> That's amazing. Right, okay, so you get let's pretend you've got your first franchisee which sounds pretty imminent what yeah. how, how do you set them up to succeed and what kind of things are they doing so let's talk about some of the techniques as well that you're using absolutely so we send them on a bit of a personal development journey so we, we look at things like I don't know if you've seen the Angela Duckworth uh, TED talk mm-hmm. she talks all about it's really good it's all about resilience and, and where it comes from and actually it doesn't matter how intelligent you are or how how much money your parents have if you don't have that resilience built in then you know typically it's it's something that people can work towards but they have to do it on their own personal development journey. So we, we give them a lot of trainings around resilience and growth mindset just to really hone in on, on how important that is for the franchise. But then we move into why we're doing what we're doing. And I, I can hear Simon Sinek somewhere in the background. <laughs> but really, why are the sessions built the way they are? Why do we go through this a session in, in the order that we do? And more importantly, you know, why are we doing what we do? Why are we going into schools and teaching this? And there's a really surface level answer to that. You know, we're helping people, we're helping children. But actually underneath that, we're creating a, a sort of barrier for children so that when they grow up, they'll be able to take these tools with them into adulthood. 
And it's something we can't necessarily measure right now, but if if every child from a Mind Marvel session goes away and and has, you know, instead of shouting at somebody or instead of throwing something across the room, they're taking a breath or they're thinking a bit po- more positively about a situation, then that is hugely impactful for that young person growing up. And that's what I'm most excited about, the ripple effects of change that we can bring to society. It's it's impactful for the rest of their lives, Karen. Absolutely, absolutely. But sometimes you tell people this and they're like, they look at you like you've got, you know, five heads. <laughs> but it is, it's, it's making these tiny changes to children that will impact them forever, like you say. Yeah. Um, do you have kids yourself? No, we don't. We don't have children at the moment. Um, it's definitely something we're thinking about in the next couple of years, which actually, as much as it excites me, terrifies me too, because I know too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, am I going to be this mindful mother that, you know, you, you think in your head, reality is no, I'm going to make mistakes like everyone else. I I don't have it together all the time. I still have to apologise, you know, to people um, when when I do wrong, and and okay. and that's what grows you as a person, right? It's it's about apologising. It's about moving forward, and it's about learning from your mistakes. So it it'll definitely be an interesting journey if it happens. Well, <laughs> I'm going to give you a bit of a heads up. So you know, I'm a licensed trainer of NLP. Yeah. Um, so my kids, I've got three kids, uh, they're 25, 22 and nearly 14. So they've all grown up with mum doing NLP. OK, mm-hmm. and t- two of them have been on my practitioner and master practitioner courses. Oh, wow. The teenager hasn't yet, but hopefully she will. Mm-hmm. Um, so the response I get is, mom, stop using your NLP voice. I'm not interested in that nonsense. And- <laughs> And because they're your kids, they find special and unique ways to really wind you up. I mean, it's it's so common, isn't it? And I always imagine that if, you know, if we have children, it will be, they won't want to engage with anything that mum or dad is teaching. You know, it will be, it will be from someone else further down the line that actually they listen, (laughs) which is so frustrating. I know. Yeah. Well, you learn kind of... The thing that, that was really telling for me, so Dr. Richard Bandler, the co-creator of NLP, has been my teacher for years and years and years. And I remember one seminar, he said, you know, when my daughter was a teenager, I had no idea what to do with her. And I was like, OK, the genius <laughs> of our time didn't know what to do with his teenage daughter. I have let off the hook. I feel better. <laughs> absolutely it's it's just normal though I, I think we have these great expectations as teachers as as mothers and fathers and all, all sorts of roles in our life but really reality just kicks in doesn't it? it does okay so what kind of techniques are you teaching the kids brilliant so we start with learning so they learn a little bit about the brain they learn a little about what's going on inside there and then and we keep it really basic because I don't think it has to be hugely complicated, you know, and I have like three-year-olds that are in nursery that will come up to me and say, Karen, my meerkat's jumping because they understand that fight, flight or freeze response. And, you know, they might not understand it completely, but they understand that they're having these big, big feelings. So 
that for me is is fantastic then we we do a bit of mindful movement so a bit of gentle stretching and then we move on to breathing techniques we have mindful massage which is peer-to-peer so child to child on the back fully clothed and it's all about positive touch and they always have to ask permission which is really important because consent is 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 vital especially in this day and age when we know that children are accessing more and more things online that are not appropriate so they have that positive touch and for some kids it's huge because they might not even have had a hug that day so you know first of all asking permission second of all having that positive touch is just it's just a great feeling and it releases so many lovely chemicals all around the brain so absolutely um, recommend and then we move on to our mindfulness practice and then finally positive affirmations and gratitude to finish the session so it's really lovely five sort of parts to each of our sessions and every child can learn whether they don't speak English whether they have uh, additional support needs it's it's open it's open to all children and that's what makes it so special yeah oh that's just beautiful that is absolutely beautiful and what a difference we must be making what kind of feedback do you get from their teachers love lovely feedback just children you know watching observe teachers observing children in the classroom taking a couple of deep breaths or there's one wee boy that I'm working with we do ice cream breathing so you you sit up nice and tall and then as you breathe out you melt like you're an ice cream in the sun and this is a little p1 boy that's struggling with his emotions right now and so you know when I'm not there I'll say to the teacher I want to do my ice cream breathing <laughs> like if you didn't know what that was you'd be like what what are you talking about <laughs> so cute you must go home like after one of those sessions being the happiest person on the planet it's so nice it's 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 such an honor it's such a privilege to be allowed to to teach young people and to support them um with you know with their own with their own sort of mental health and emotional well-being I feel it doesn't feel like work don't get me wrong I'm exhausted (laughs) but it doesn't feel like work in the same way that teaching felt like work you know teaching was it was great to a certain degree but it was so the, the stuff that took up so much time was the admin and the meetings and the emails after school you know and that's something I don't need to do as much of now. It's I can do things on my own terms, and that's what I find so magical about running my own business. It is magical. I think that's a beautiful word for it. It, it really is magical. Because mm-hmm. you can so, choose. Like That choice is so vital. <laughs> it, it really is. It's essential. And, and yesterday I was interviewing a lady called Jenny, and we were talking about uh, years ago there was something called the sure start scheme for young parents um, oh, yes. Yes, yeah. I remember that. Mm-hmm. yeah and and I think it was the round trees trust did mm-hmm. research into it and saying that you know the the benefit of that had massive positive long-term implications are you doing any studies to follow up with kids as they grow up no, actually, not anything concrete. We take sort of, we do like a pre and post evaluation of children, but 
that would be quite interesting actually to to get that on board and and definitely take that on. There's some children that I see now that I've seen, you know, they've been in primary one and they're now in P four, and it's really nice to see that that difference in them. Definitely. Yeah. I, I genuinely think because Jenny and I were talking, you know, you take a kid up until the age of six, and, mm-hmm. and that's when they're they're sort of most sort of key values and behaviours are formed, their boundaries are formed, their kind of framework for life is formed. And it's such an overlooked area of education, an underfunded area of education. And, and that's why I wanted to interview you, actually, because I think the more nurseries and primary schools get to hear about this and the more kids get to mm-hmm. experience this, the better for society. Oh, huge. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to look into that. It's, I'm very keen on feedback, you know, and and sometimes with the well-being, it is hard to measure. You know, if if it was like a dance company coming in, you could clearly see the correlation or the or PE, you know, sports or something. But with well-being, it's so encompassing in everything that we do that it can be quite hard to peel apart different areas. Yeah. But, Definitely something I'd be keen to try. Well, look, I think she said it was the Round Trees Trust. She said it was York. It was either York University. It was centred around York. So it was either York University or the Round Trees Trust or something like this did this mm-hmm. research into Shore Star and the outcomes were excellent. So I think that's so important. When I've recorded this podcast and when it goes out, I'm going to send it to Rishi Sunak and I'm going to say you need to get every kid doing this no comment <laughs> so, and that brings me on to the next question actually you've purposely made this it's a for-profit organization I'm assuming yes, yes. and was there a kind of point in time we thought do I make it for profit do I make it a community interest was that ever a decision you had to sort of come across yeah it was quite difficult at the start because I thought about doing like a a kick or a CIC interest company. What I found was that there was a lot of red tape, especially being by myself. So, for example, with a charity, it was you had to have a whole board um, on there for your your committee. So I felt quite overwhelmed by that. So I did go down the sort of private route. But what we've done is well, we're looking to invest our, some of our profits back into supporting uh, young people. And I think from my side of things, I volunteer on two charities myself. So I'm very aware of our social impact, but also aware of how I can better myself and my involvement as well personally. I think it's can be really easy to give money back or offer, you know, free sessions, but also people their their time is so we need their you know time is so important for charities as well, people having hands on. Um so that's that's where I am at the moment, but it's definitely yeah. something we're looking at future. Yeah. Good. Good. No, and 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 by the way, I actually think it's really important that you're a for profit organization because <laughs> I think it makes you, I don't know what it makes you, but when I look out there on the landscape and I see community interest companies and for-profit companies and charities, the charities, you're right, get, they, they get tangled up in red tape and they end oh. up scrapping <laughs> over funding. And, it, you know, often it actually doesn't help anybody. 
Um, but the community interest companies often start off well and then can fizzle out a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. And, I, and so- I, Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was just saying, something that concerned me as well was that I wanted to remain in charge. Um, you know, like as a, to be honest, you know, it, it was my baby. I want, I want to be in charge. So, I think for charities at least, you need like a board of people on there. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to just make sure that I was the sort of person that could could be um at the top, if you like, for okay. now, for now. <laughs> it's your vision and and what you're doing is so important i think it's right that the original vision holder has control over what's going on definitely mm-hmm. where are you taking the business what's your big vision for it <laughs> um the big vision is eventually to to crack america and australia because i really do think what we have is is hugely important worldwide it, it's so easily translatable worldwide as well even with a scottish accent yes definitely but something that i have sort of thought about is you know i'm not adverse to selling the business further down the line and i think that is a healthy sign of growth as well i don't necessarily think i'm going to be in it all my days and, I, and i'm okay with that as well i think that's that's healthy it's, it's change and it's growth again as a person yeah, no, I would totally agree. Totally agree. Now, if your business had a personality or a character, Karen, how would you describe it? Oh, these are amazing questions, Rebecca. <laughs> it's as if I'm a coach and I do it for a living. <laughs> um, oh, a personality. Oh, this is so difficult. A personality. I would say just a little bit out there. <laughs> <laughs> so what you see is what you get but there's loads of magic behind that but there's also this real honesty and this real genuine help or or needs or want to help so we're not adverse to taking risks healthy risks but we're also very aware that we have a purpose in this world and that we have our values that we need to adhere to at all times so don't know if that quite answered your question but we'll give it a shot I like the fact that magic is at the heart of everything and you've mentioned it a few times and it's clearly something that is in your heart actually because you keep bringing it up And, Mm -hmm. and I think what you do is magical and I would imagine the changes that you see in some of these kids is just pure magic Absolutely. And because magic, you can't see it, right? So you can't always see the impact you're making. You can't always see what's going into a child's brain and what they're what they're computing inside their heads. But actually, at the end of that, you do you see the magical outcomes when they go away and they have those big issues that they're struggling with. Now, if I'm sitting here listening, thinking, crikey, I'd really like to run that franchise and talk to Karen about that. Where do people go? Oh, so easy. So mindmarvelsfranchise.com. We're Mind Marvels on every social media platform that you can think of. I'm on LinkedIn as Karen Gibb. Just send me just send me a message. Happy to chat. 
I don't do a hard sell because actually I want to make sure we're the right fit for each other. So it's as important for me as it is for you that, that we get along great. And yeah, I look forward to hearing from you. <laughs> Brilliant. I love that. Yeah, we we don't do the hard sell. We spend most of our time putting people off. <laughs> I love that though because that's you want again it comes back to quality over quantity yeah yeah definitely look right I'm going to watch your growth with great anticipation because I again what you're doing is amazing and when I come across teachers in fact I might put you in touch with um Tom Crombie who runs my online school fantastic he's based in Edinburgh um and this is the kind of thing I bet he'd be really interested in for his students across the globe I am going to put you in touch oh thank you I know you've said it on air it has to happen you realize yeah it will happen it's amazing best of luck Karen thank you so much and don't forget the great work you do too Rebecca thank you no thank (laughs) you Entrepreneurial Journey Podcast. We're talking business and building a culture that's kick ass. Where we make it happen, grab your seat, let's have a blast. At the Entrepreneurial Journey.